We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. The CV, CV Report. TPS Report. The CV Report. Give us one word to describe what you're going through right now. Sucky. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I know it's just a Nissan Frontier, but in my mind, this thing's an M1 Abrams tank. Honey, take the wheel. I'm going to stick my head out of the sunroof. Look, any self-respecting veteran should grow a beard and have a belly. That's the dumbest thing I've heard all day. Like, if we're going to start getting angry now, it's it's a little late. Is live in D.C. with the update on all of this. Good morning. Maybe. I guess not. The CV Report. Welcome to another edition of the CV Report. I'm your host, Navy veteran Phil Briggs. And today's episode is like a spy thriller, terrorism, action adventure novel. Only the spy is fake. One terrorist suspect is in the Coast Guard. And another is a girl from Alabama who married a real terrorist in ISIS. We seriously can't make this stuff up, nor would we want to. But first, let's get into some headlines. And here with our headlines, my colleague and reporter, Libby Howe. How are you, Libby? Hi, Phil. This first story in the headlines, if you told me this story, I would actually think you're just reading from the back cover of a book. But it is real. It involves a Coast Guardsman. What do we got here? So a Coast Guard lieutenant was arrested last week, and now he's being called a domestic terrorist. Uh, He drafted an email discussing biological attacks, had what appeared to be a hit list that included prominent Democrats and media figures. Christopher Paul Hassan is due to appear Thursday in federal court in Maryland after his arrest on gun and drug offenses. But prosecutors say those charges are the proverbial tip of the iceberg. Mm. And now we've seen some photos that have been surfaced. Um, What were we looking at in his possession? It was a a lot of guns. It was 15 guns, which there has been some debate from our gun-loving audience if 15 is technically a stockpile. They're calling it a stockpile. Calm down. I don't how many guns, whatever. 15 guns, a thousand pounds of ammo and some weird biological agents, I think, all just kind of, you know, hanging out in his back pocket. Wow. And they found that when they seized his apartment or something like that? I think so. Yeah. And then I don't know what the original gun offenses were, but they arrest this guy on gun and drug offenses and then whoo, domestic terrorist. So nice catch on their part. I was talking to someone yesterday about you know, if these guys didn't keep these types of lists because he had a list. Right. And he kept things in his email drafts. It's like that's not the most secure place to keep secret things, but whatever. I was talking to someone about if these bad guys didn't keep lists, we'd never catch them. And that's terrifying. Like if bad guys were a little smarter and didn't keep these types of lists, they'd get away <laughs> with a lot more. Uh, the Achilles heel of every insane criminal is they have the compulsion to write this down, which is... Uh, Yeah, lucky for us that they do and they have that uh, shortcoming. So do we know why he got popped or the circumstances around how he ended up getting busted for this? We don't really. And I've been looking around about that. But 
the memo that was filed in district court has this laundry list of super questionable behavior, right? So the memo alleges that in September 2017, he sent himself a draft letter, which he apparently wrote to a known American neo-Nazi leader. Pretty bad. The memo also alleges that Hassan conducted online searches and made thousands of visits for pro-Russian, neo-fascist, and neo-Nazi literature from January 2017 to January 2019. Still not something that we really want to see Coast Guard lieutenants doing. Sure, and maybe that's what kind of popped up on the radar. I mean, maybe you search a neo-Nazi website once, you don't show up, but it, thousands of searches. I mean, maybe they are tracking these things. And maybe. if they see the same IP address again and again and again, searching for these nasty ideological websites, maybe that tipped him off just there with his internet searches. Maybe. I just got the vibe that it was from drug and gun offenses. Yeah. And that they found all of this afterwards. Talk to me a little bit more about the other things they found in his email as far as the lists and, I don't know, the hit list? It really is a hit list. So it was uh, a list of prominent Democratic congressional leaders, activists, political organizations, and MSNBC and CNN personalities. All of these people he had names of, and they have Google searches where he found where they lived. And I don't know how they have this type of information, but they can see that he spent 10, 20 minutes zooming in and zooming out on the houses of these individuals. Oh, man. Yeah. So he was he was planning something. I mean, I do that on my house for fun <laughs> right, sometimes. Right. Yeah, not on other people's houses. Yours and is he, more like a kiss list. You're trying to zoom in and find all the hot guys in your neighborhood. Yeah. Right? No, I'm just kidding. I know on that list, um, MSNBC's Joe Scarborough was listed. And I know Joe Scarborough, because they can date when he did these searches. Right. And it was shortly after Joe Scarborough said on MSNBC that President Donald Trump was the worst ever. That's when Hassan went and found his home address and figured out where he lived. So, mm. you know, there's a, there's a very clear motivation for who is on this hit list. Yes, indeed. And that would explain why Senator Elizabeth Warren was on it and uh, freshman Congresswoman Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. Everybody on the list seemed to lean hard to the left. And uh, just another story you can't make up. I thank you for covering these crazy headlines. And uh, feel free to come to me anytime you have a story as insane as this. Libby Howe, ConnectingVets.com. Thank you very much. Thanks, Phil. And now for another story ripped from the front pages of ConnectingVets.com is a comedy story. It's a criminal story. It's kind of a sad story, and here to tell us about it, National Affairs Correspondent Matt Saintsing. How are you? Hello, hello. First, let me say I'm not sure if we have a front page of the internet or whatever, but, you know, I did like the turn of phrase, though, Phil, so well done. Well, thank you very much, Matt. Thank you. And uh, your phrasing is equally as good. Hit me with the headline of this article and then run me through this idiot's escapades. That's the only way I can think to describe it. So the headline, which I'm quite proud of, by the way, says... Zero Dark Dirty, Drone Operator Reaps Aftermath for Telling Woman He Was in CIA. <laughs> Zero Dark Dirty. I see what you did there. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Um, so Ryan, Staff Sergeant Ryan Hutelen, 25-year-old from Cicero, New York, is an Air National Guard, and he got arrested, actually, for trying to persuade a woman that he was in the CIA and that 
her and his lives are in danger, and they must work together somehow so they so he could defeat ISIS. So ISIS won't come after it. <laughs> you can't write comedy this good. No. You know, it, it, it it's pretty ridiculous. Um, so basically, he's an MQ9, which is a Reaper operator in the Air National Guard. That's why I use Reaps in the headline. You know, nice. that, those are for the aviation nerds out there. She became nervous and upset because a guy in the military who says he's in the CIA is saying her life's in danger and that ISIS is after her. And so she was extremely distraught. You know, he had a CIA card in his pocket because we all know spooks and spies love to have CIA logos in their pocket. You know, I mean, of course, every spy carries a card that says spy. Yeah. It yeah. would be hilarious if, if if this woman, poor woman, wasn't really afraid and had to go to the authorities. But, you know, he got charged with impersonating a public servant, which is a misdemeanor, and he'll be going to jail. And judging by his mugshot alone, he looks like he's into some unsavory practices. Doesn't look like the CIA people I met in Iraq. Let me just tell you that right now. <laughs> and you can look at that at ConnectingVets.com. Headline again, Zero Dark Dirty. Drone operator reaps aftermath for telling woman he was in CIA crazy and to think he screwed up a totally good story he's a drone operator for christ's sake drone i mean that's operator. already pretty attractive yeah, right you know first of all he met her at church by the way that's the, that's another thing he met her at church he's like your life's in danger isis is after you i'm in the cia and she's like holy shit. well thank god you're here you know i mean it's ridiculous it's ridiculous i think the only good to come of this story and your reporting here on this is uh <laughs> the use of sade no need to ask he's a drone operator Good job, man. Is that a gun in your pocket, or are you here to save me? Oh, hey, that was a good one. Our next story is one that's been covered by news networks around the world, from Fox News to the BBC. Don't kid yourself. They saw the videos. Girls, mothers, some who married into ISIS, who knew what they were about, but still came. It's about a woman who turned her back on the United States for a life as an ISIS wife. Hoda Mathana all over the media saying she wants to come back home. Mike Pompeo calls your client. She's a terrorist. That's a woman who inflicted enormous risk on American soldiers. Here's what the president said. I have instructed Secretary of State Mike Pompeo, and he fully agrees not to allow Hoda Mathana to come back. She's not a U.S. citizen. She is not entitled U.S. citizenship, and she's not coming back to our country to pose a threat. Well, her lawyer is Hassan Shibley, and he speaks for Hoda Muthana and her family. First, welcome to the CV Report, Hassan. Hey, thank you for your service to our country, and thank you for having me. Indeed, indeed. Fascinating story here, and, you know, I know it goes without saying that uh, veterans, of course, think very deeply about their commitment to the country and about what they experienced, uh, many of whom fought against the Taliban and ISIS and other terrorist groups, many of whom were tragically wounded, many more who were psychologically wounded, and others who gave their lives fighting ISIS. And then comes along this Alabama woman, Hoda Muthana, who now at 24 years old is having some regrets over joining the epitome of evil. And she just wants to say, I'm sorry for joining them and for having their children and come back. Uh, before we get into all of it, rewind with me and tell me how we got here. Start with how you know Hoda Muthana. Uh, yeah, I will get into that. I do want to say, first of all, that, listen, veterans, they really, I think you all sacrificed uh, your life. You put it at great jeopardy to protect the Constitution. And this is what this is all about, ultimately, protecting the rule of law 
in the Constitution for everyone. I think Huda uh, acknowledging uh, how horrible her mistakes are and w- being willing to pay the price even behind bars if she has to uh, and uh, speaking publicly at how evil ISIS is, even when she's still within their grasp, surrounded by many of uh, their supporters still and risking her life to do so. I think that's a testament to the greatness uh, of our country and how evil uh, ISIS is. Uh, I do think just as John Walker Lynn, who ultimately he fought with the Taliban and then was brought back to the United States and faced a trial and was held accountable for his actions. Um, you know, I think no differently, Huda can and should be brought back to face our legal system, which is what she's asking for. But the way I got involved was when Huda's uh, family uh, learned that she left, I had just recently been at their local mosque giving a presentation on the importance of defending civil rights and defending the Constitution and uh, defending our liberty here as Americans, uh, given that I'm a civil rights lawyer myself. And uh, the family reached out to me and said they're horrified to learn that Huda uh, had uh, ran away and was probably on her way to Syria. So I immediately connected uh, her with uh, her family, uh, immediately connected them with Homeland Security and uh, FBI to report what she had done and to try to intervene to stop her from coming back and to reach out to her and try to get her to change her mind and come back and turn herself in. So you actually knew of her story, knew of her as she was beginning her journey overseas. Wow. Okay. Right, right. I learned about it right after she left, right after she was out of our grasp, unfortunately. Hmm. Now, talk to me about uh, kind of where it went from there. You'd said that at one point you kind of thought she may have been lost to the cause, like we may never hear from her again. I thought the next time we'd hear from her would be reading in the news that she was killed somewhere. You know, unfortunately, she really went uh, down a dark path. You know, there was a point where she considered her parents uh, and myself infidels, um, really just completely brainwashed, really irrational, illogical. Um, and I thought she was a goner uh, mentally forever, for sure. About how old was she when she left the country? She had just turned 20. She had just turned 20. She uh, was in college at the time, and she just ran away. And honestly, as I, as I look at the facts, a, a large part of it had to do with, I think she was just being a rebellious a teenager in the sense that one of the things that stuck out that she said was when she believed, you know, based on the manipulation and the brainwashing uh, that she got at, at the hands of those who groomed her online, when she felt that it was an obligation for her to go to Syria, at that point, she actually was relieved because she found that it's an excuse to get away from her mother, whom she felt was too controlling. So that was very eye-opening. And, you know, since we mentioned Syria, I do want to say another point. I was born in Syria. I love Syria. And there's two groups that utterly destroyed Syria, ISIS and the Assad government. The Assad government killed half a million civilians, and ISIS has just ravaged the country. And uh, I, I have great enmity and hatred for both. I think ISIS is to Islam what... Uh, the Assad regime is to democracy. Both have twisted uh, those respective uh, set of principles and values uh, to advance their agenda at the cost of shedding so much innocent uh, blood. And, uh, you know, so, so as a Syrian, I'm, I'm tremendously angered uh, at ISIS, and I'm tremendously angered that somebody like Huda would want to go there. Uh, but that being said, you know, I still believe she should be held accountable to U.S. law, and that's what she's asking for right now. Mm-hmm. Now, do you know how she got exposed to these radical elements? I mean, obviously, we all are in America. Everybody has YouTube. Uh, you know, I trust that my kids are watching things and maybe tempted to do 
you know, some things, drink or maybe, you know, wear crazy clothes or speak in a certain way. But how did she stumble upon ISIS propaganda here in the United States? You know, she was part of this online group, which at first I think uh, she felt was pretty benign, but it quickly got infiltrated with ISIS recruiters. And they really isolated her from her family. And what's very interesting is what my friends at DHS said when I was asking, how does this happen? How does this, you know, occur? And what they said is, look, it's no different than uh, the manipulation tactics sex traffickers and violent gangs and hate groups use to recruit youth online. They give them a sense of belonging. They isolate them from the community because they know the community would intervene. They isolate them from their parents. And they give them all this attention, give them a sense of belonging until they're just brainwashing them well within their breath. And in your opinion, is it not, uh, in your opinion, is it fair to say that like a 19, 20 year old is immature enough to fall for this crap? Oh, absolutely. You know, absolutely. You know, the human brain doesn't stop developing till 25. Um, she was very sheltered. She, she was quite immature. As she describes herself now, looking back, she says she was very ignorant and very arrogant and very angry. And I saw the arrogancy because she thought she knew better than all of us. I mean, listen, I've studied Islam my whole life. I've studied some of the greatest scholars in Islam, and all these scholars would be called infidels by ISIS. But she thought that, you know, she knew better than people like myself who spent our whole life studying the beautiful faith of Islam and, and can testify to how uh, groups like ISIS are the biggest enemy to Islam. Uh, her arrogance, I think, ultimately at that age and her rebelliousness led her to make those very foolish mistakes that she's extremely now uh, ashamed of and extremely remorseful regarding. Is it fair to call them mistakes considering the gang that she joined essentially has killed I mean, thousands of Americans? What, I mean, give me a harsher word and we'll call it that. It was wrong. You know, a mistake is something that's wrong that should have never happened. And at I am, I think the family actually in particular is relieved that she finally at least sees the error of her ways. Look, going to join, that's wrong regardless. But I think it is much worse uh, when somebody doesn't awaken from that spell and continuously believes it. And I think it's a victory to America and a testament to the greatness of America and a testament to the evil of ISIS and their failure that they ultimately were not able to permanently brainwash uh, that citizen of ours that ultimately they weren't able to permanently poison her mind against America, and that after she did spend time in America, obviously being born there, having never left the country before she went to Syria, and then having spent time under ISIS control, that she came out actually in the letter that she wrote, uh, recognizing a newfound love and appreciation for the freedoms America offers, and just tremendous hate and resentment towards ISIS, which she said you know, ultimately destroyed her life and the life of her her child. I, in fact, uh, I can think of very few Americans today, probably, who resent ISIS as much as Huda does, because she definitely, definitely feels uh, that by falling prey to their tactics, very foolishly, uh, she uh, feels that her life's been destroyed, and she is willing to pay the debt she owes to society. She takes responsibility, and she realizes that her actions certainly do have consequences, and she's willing to pay whatever that she has to society through our legal system. Mm-hmm. Speaking of the legal system, um, I'll get to this quickly here. Um, Secretary of State Mike Pompeo has said that she doesn't have any legal basis to come back. She is not a citizen, he stated. 
He stated she has no valid U.S. passport, no right to a passport, nor any visa to travel to the United States. Um, you're saying that she is a citizen, and it's all boiling down to the status of her father, who at the time of her birth, Correct. Uh, the government claims was a diplomat. And th- talk to me about that situation. Correct. Well, first of all, I think it's hypocritical for the administration to try to stop her from coming through the legal process. We're not saying she wants to just come back home as if nothing happened. She wants to turn herself into U.S. authorities. And I, I called the FBI. I said, listen, we know where she is. Go question her. You know, go take her in custody. And, and they didn't do anything. Meanwhile, the Guardian, the New York Times and ABC News all was able to go and, and question her. I think it's very problematic when U.S. intelligence agencies fail to take advantage of this opportunity to gather intelligence. Meanwhile, uh, media is able to do so. Secondly, uh, I think, in a sense, the Trump administration is wrongfully giving her a free pass because by saying that she was never a U.S. citizen to begin with, they're essentially saying the U.S. has no jurisdiction over her, which essentially gives her a free pass not to come and face accountability, even though that's what she is demanding. And thirdly, I think the government is very clearly wrong in the situation. Um, it was very clear. We have the evidence. I've released it on my Twitter uh, that she was born in, in New Jersey in October, the end of October 1994. Uh, that is, uh, And she was born after the United States had been informed that her father no longer enjoyed diplomatic status and diplomatic immunity. And therefore, under the Constitution of the United States, uh, she was a citizen by birth. And my fear is Trump is essentially right now undermining the right of birthright citizenship for all people in America with the tactics he's doing. My fear is if the executive branch simply feels that they can just designate somebody as a non-citizen without due process, that is tremendous power that the uh, uh, authors of the Constitution did not intend for the executive to have. We do live in a democracy governed by a constitution. We do not live in a monarchy. Is there evidence to the fact that her father had informed the government that he was no longer a diplomat with... Uh... I believe he worked for the United Nations. And uh, yes, there is evidence. I tweeted the letter that the United Nations had sent saying, listen, we had informed you that as of September 1st, 1994, he was no longer a diplomat and he no longer enjoyed diplomatic immunity. Could it be that that letter took 30 days to process or to get entered into the system? I mean, I'm not quite sure how that works, but I mean, the U.N. essentially wrote a letter on her father's behalf saying he's no longer functioning as a diplomatic entity for the U.N. Uh, Who's to say that that didn't take until after her birthday in October of the same year? Well, he ceased to be a diplomat June 1st, so this takes into consideration the time it takes for these things to be processed. And secondly, had her father committed a crime, um, they would have gone by the date that it officially, that his status officially terminated, not the date that they were informed. They could retroactively prosecute him for any crime he committed after that date. And therefore, because he was subject to jurisdiction by the United States government, uh, therefore, uh, his daughter would have qualified for birthright citizenship, as the U.S. Constitution says, that all people born in the United States and subject to the jurisdiction thereof are indeed Citizens. What's to say that after his time with the U.N. as a diplomatic entity here in the United States ended, that he wouldn't just revert back to the citizenship of his previous country? I mean, wh- how do you go from being a diplomat to automatically you're an American citizen? I mean, he was working for the U.N. on behalf of another nation, correct? Well, he did it. He, he, correct. He did not revert to citizenship automatically. He had actually already began applying for green cards. So he was an immigrant. And, you know, under the Constitution... 
immigrants, whether they are there documented or not, as long as they are not currently uh, protected by diplomatic immunity, their children are citizens. So even someone that is under temporary protected status that has a child here in the States, they're the TPS person's child is automatically an American citizen. That is correct. Fascinating. Fascinating. Uh, Lastly, let me just wrap up by asking, what penalties does she face as far as what is the law for leaving this country, pledging allegiance to a terrorist organization or an enemy that we're at war with? What what is she looking at as far as punishment? You know, it's it's hard to tell. Um, I think the government will probably want to prosecute her if they took her back and actually did their job in prosecuting her. They would probably want to prosecute her with some form of offering material support to a designated terrorist organization, which is a serious crime. You know, in other cases, people have gotten a few years in jail to decades in jail. So it's really the onus is on the government to complete their investigation, see which uh, U.S. laws she violated, and then utilizing the legal system that we all believe in, hold her accountable to those laws. Mm-hmm. Is it true that a possible punishment for treason is life in prison or the death penalty? That is true for treason. If she, in fact, committed treason, we know she did not take up arms herself. And the other thing is you cannot be convicted of treason if you're not a citizen to begin with. So I think the Trump administration has undermined the legal basis for treason by claiming that she wasn't a citizen to begin with. So that's what I'm saying. I think the ironic thing in all of this is that the Trump administration has essentially given her a free pass. Fascinating and uh, something I'm sure that legal minds will be wrestling with and grappling with over the coming weeks. Uh, What are next steps? If Mike Pompeo, Secretary of State, has basically said she will not be heard or they will not entertain any requests of hers, where do you go from here as her lawyer? So I'm the attorney for the family. Her personal defense attorney is today most likely filing uh, a court action Uh, a federal lawsuit to assert her citizenship in federal court. And we're going to allow the legal process to uh, play its uh, way out. Well, I thank you for helping us kind of get our heads around this, uh, for giving us some insight into the mind of a troubled young woman. And uh, hopefully we can have you back, Hassan, and uh, share with us any updates on the life of an ISIS wife. Thank you so much, sir. It was an honor speaking with you and uh, and, uh, uh, being able to talk to your audience. And I encourage people to check out my Twitter at Hassan Shibley. Uh, for more updates, and I uh, look forward to being back with you. You've been listening to the CV Report, which is powered by Entercom's ConnectingVets.com, the news and lifestyle website dedicated to the American military veteran. Download the Radio.com app, and you'll find other episodes of the CV Report, our other podcast called Vet Story, and a world of other radio stations and on-demand content that you can only get on the Radio.com app. And if you found us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Stitcher, go ahead and click like and subscribe so we can let you know every time a new episode drops. I'm Phil Briggs, and until we talk again, I'll be looking for more stories to file on the next CV Report. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. 
Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. 